Welcome to GivePod, the podcast of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Our sponsor for Small Business Month is our new pillar partner, RBC. This is our very first episode, and I am thrilled to be speaking with Canadian business icon, Jimmy Pattison. Thank you, Jimmy, for taking time to sit with us today. It is so nice to see you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I am glad to be here, glad to see you folks, and, and uh, how's things with you? Things are very good. Now, Jimmy, I've got a lot of questions for you. You are one of Vancouver's best and brightest business leaders, more than 51,000 employees worldwide, 565 locations, and annual sales of $12.7 billion. Diverse operations, and they include automotive, advertising, media, agriculture equipment, food and beverage, entertainment, forest products, real estate, and periodical distribution industries, and I probably missed one or two. I understand it was recently your birthday, and you turned 93. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. How did you celebrate? I didn't celebrate. I was driving my truck, uh, actually with some people. It wasn't my truck, it was somebody else's truck, in uh, Saskatchewan. And Manitoba, that's what I did. And I didn't tell anybody it was my birthday that I was with. So I celebrated in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't tell anybody. I didn't was told a single person that was around and nobody. So we were, we were looking at agriculture. We were John Deere dealers in Saskatchewan, and we have 18 locations. And I was driving around with the management there to each location, visiting some of our customers. And I didn't say a word, and nobody uh, thought about it or looked into it. So I had an absolutely 100% peaceful day. (laughs) But that sounds like something you would like to do on your birthday, is driving around and looking at locations and seeing your employees. You're right. So, so much has been written about you and so much said about you and how you started all of this, a $40,000 loan from RBC. But I want to focus a bit more on the present, and I want to start with a question that maybe is a little bit about your birthday. So what inspires you? Debt. (laughs) I owe the banks a lot of money, so I keep working every day. I need to get up every morning and go to work because the banks have been, Canadian banks have been very, very helpful to me over the years and and American banks too, for that matter. So we're very, uh, very, been very grateful for the support we've had from the banks to grow the company. And as you've been growing your company, I mean, I mentioned uh, this diversity in the portfolio that you have. So how do you decide what businesses you would like to include in your large, diverse portfolio? Well, we started, of course, in the car business, which I knew something about. Then we got into radio, and I knew a little bit about that because we were big advertisers for years. And uh, so one thing led to another, and and uh, But certainly this pandemic that we've been through here has given me uh, more ideas what I don't want to get into and where we do want to grow the business because when you see something come out of the blue like this and if you're in the airline business or if you're in the movie business and something like this happens, boy, and you have a lot of debt around your neck, you have a big problem on your hands. So this has been uh, a real eye-opener to me 
about where we want to grow the company in the future. I think a lot of us probably thought in March 2020 that this might be a few months. The pandemic, we would be through it in a fairly reasonable amount of time. Well, here we are coming up on 18, 19 months, coming up on two years. Did you think when at the beginning of the pandemic that we would still be in all of this? I did not. And we have had businesses closed for a year and a half and uh, closed and yet we keep the employees and we've been losing our shirt in some businesses and and others uh, have been okay. So what have you learned from the pandemic and in regards to how you work with your employees, work with your businesses? Are there lessons to be taken from this? Well, there's certainly for me, it makes me focus on the things that are really important and you must have. And uh, so certainly, uh, for example, our car business uh, has been very, very good. Car dealerships, we have 28 of them. And uh, I would never have thought business would be so good in the car business, but what's happened, people don't want to ride in the bus, they don't want to have carpools, and so they get go buy a used car or a new car or a small car or whatever it is. And the car business is something that has been very, very good for us and something I would never dreamed of. One of the things that I um, have read about you recently, and I see it on your website, is your commitment to the environment. And you say that it's the Patterson Group's number one priority. So can you talk a little bit about how you came to this and then what you and your organization is doing to make meaningful change? Well, our organization is certainly uh, going, going, first of all, we have to look at what we're already in and, uh, and, and look towards how we can minimize or transition businesses at our when we we got into a port where we have coal uh, thermal coal and uh, and today we are in the process of transitioning that business into something else but you can't do it in five minutes we got long-term contracts we got employees and all of that but going forward the first question I ask myself now what's what effect does this have on the environment and we're in a lot of different business types of business. And uh, so we got to put that into, which we never ever thought about when we went in the business, is what kind of return do we get on capital is what we would focus on in the business we looked at. But today, the first question we ask is, how does this fit into the environment? And so, that's not a question you would have even thought to ask. never crossed my mind. But as time went by and things started to, to, uh, to narrow in on what's happening with the climate change, it's, today that's our number one priority. A lot of business leaders look up to you. Would you have a challenge for them around the environment and climate change? No, I'm just trying to look after my own hive right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, looking back over the many decades that you've been in business, has what has surprised you in 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 one of your successful ventures, did you look at it and go, I never thought that that was going to turn out as good as it did? I think just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it sound like luck, but I know there's a lot of hard work. Well, there's, there's certainly, we, that's the one thing we do. We do work hard. 
And, uh, but if you like what you're doing, it's not work. And uh, I like what we do and the people. We've had some people that really have been great. And pe- we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for some of our top people that are retired today that uh, in the early days uh, really were honest, worked hard, smart, and uh, committed to help us what we're doing. I think you're pretty legendary for being known as a hard worker and you get up early and you have a pretty strict routine. So how do you prepare for your day? I don't get up in the morning and go to the office. And by the time, remember, you know, we have offices. In fact, I just got back from from uh, Sweden. We went through, spent several days in Sweden. We have offices in London. And of course, we have offices in over in Asia, so depending on the time zones, we we uh, always uh, or have somewhere something's open. So we concentrate on just getting up in the morning and see what the, how the phone acts. <laughs> but you still work very hard. I know you do. Well, this last week we drove four thousand kilometers in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We have John John Deere dealerships there in both provinces. And uh, uh, I am the president of the company and some key people in that industry. Uh, We drove 4,000 kilometers last week. That's a lot. It is. And we, but we drove to where we have uh, in in agriculture, we have 18 locations uh, in Manitoba and, and Saskatchewan, mostly Saskatchewan. And I would think that you have a team that could go out and see the operations, um, but you like to keep your hand in. Well, no, they, the, the management do, but we meet with our management on a regular basis. We meet with our management teams five times a year, no matter where they are, other than COVID comes along and we can't travel. People in England and so on like that, they, they are not traveling, and the States, we're not traveling to the States like we have been. I'm going tomorrow, actually, to Orlando and uh, to Texas tomorrow. Why are those face-to-face meetings so important with your management team? Well, I much prefer face-to-face meetings, so that's why we do them. And then you get a better pulse of what's happening. Well, I don't know. It gives people a chance to know each other better when you talk, and so at least I've always believed that, and so we spend time on the road. I said this before, but so much has been said about you and written about you, and so when I was thinking about how I wanted to have this conversation with you, I was trying to think, what would surprise people to know about you? I have no idea. <laughs> Anything that comes to mind about, you know, whether you've got a habit that has really helped you with your business oh, or I'm a hobby? I sleep in the back of the, my truck from time to time when I'm traveling. <laughs> and that would be surprising, but a little catnap. No catnap. I mean, I drive and then go to bed, and sometimes I'll go and sleep in the back seat till uh, the day breaks and then get going. Why do that? Why not? <laughs> I can drive till midnight, and, and uh, when I'm tired, and pull over and go to sleep. When the sun comes up, get going. It's pretty practical. <laughs> no, I don't do that every day, of course, and I don't do it when I'm traveling. This last trip, I didn't do it at all because I was with too many people. But, but uh, by myself, and I'm, I like driving, and so I don't 
I don't mind driving all night. And, but maybe the second night I'll take a sleep, you know. You know, your philanthropy is remarkable, and it has really impacted so many people's lives. Uh, back in 2010, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade um, awarded you as our recipient of the Ricks Award for Engaged Community Citizenship, and that's in recognition of your role in community service. But you also have donated millions of dollars in health care and medicine and children's initiatives. How do you choose those those philanthropic operations? How do you and and why are those those why do they matter to you so much? Well, my dad always when we I was growing up, I was an only child. We didn't have any money. We didn't own a house. We rented a house, twenty five dollars a month, furnished at forty eight ninety three Quebec Street. The house is still there. I was raised in an evangelical Christian home which I still support and go to church. My dad always said my, my allowance was 50 cents. But he says, no, 5 cents, 10%, you got to put in the collection plate of the church. So I always learned to, to, to give 10% of what I made uh, to the church and, uh, and then on further on to community things that we've got involved with. And I'm sure you get asked all the time to donate and support uh, organizations and initiatives. So you have tended more towards healthcare and medicine and, and, and children. Why those issues? Well, because sooner or later, whether you're rich or you're poor, or whether you're black or you're white and everything in between, sooner or later... Everybody needs some help, and hospitals and children's hospitals are necessary. And so to help that, I think that from where I sit, um, it, it has the broadest reach to help people, whether they're rich or poor, black or white. And the pandemic has really reinforced that. So that's why I've been so supportive of uh, hospitals. And our board of directors at our foundation are also in feel that way too. If you could offer some advice to uh, young leaders who are, are listening in and finding their way in their careers, what would be something that you would tell them that you would maybe have done differently or, or maybe they need some inspiration? What would you tell young leaders today? Well, I am not qualified to do that because... There is so many different things that people are very good at in all kinds of different ways of life and businesses. And some people are really good being mechanics. Other people are good at selling something. Or So it depends on what you, you're good at and what you like to do. And, uh, and so I, I, I'm of the belief that if somebody likes doing something, they're usually good at it but they may not fit the, the role of what you should do at University of British Columbia if, you're, if you enjoy being a mechanic with cars or whatever. So we're all different, and, uh, but it, it usually if you like what you do, you're good at it. Find what you love. Yeah, find what you like to do. But can you imagine going to work every day and not liking your job? So how can you be as really, really good at it? Uh, some people may be able to do it, but 
I've always be- believed that if you, you're really good, you, you like your job and you can't wait to get to work. And people are very fortunate if they have that for sure. What are some lessons that you have learned that you would impart for young leaders, for older leaders, for anybody who has been in business for a while? Well, in my opinion, in our company is no matter what, be honest. Tell the truth. When you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But don't lie and don't cheat. And that's fundamental in our company. We make a lot of mistakes, but we've always, as a policy, tell the truth, be honest, and treat people like you'd like to be treated. And that goes to your three values you talk about. Integrity is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Something that you hold very close. Well, it's just a a fundamental. You're either honest or you're not. And sometimes people are 80% honest or 90% honest when they go across the border and don't declare things. A lot of people don't do that. But that's every, everybody has to decide what they want to do. But in, as far as I'm concerned, the f- fundamental basis of our company is my objective is to and have been always be honest and tell the truth. Make mistakes. I've made, nobody's made more mistakes than I have. But that's different than being honest. What would you say is your biggest mistake? Oh, heck, I've made so many big mistakes, <laughs> I couldn't remember which one to start with. <laughs> would you have done anything differently? Oh, all kinds of things I'd have done differently. You're pretty good at uh, choosing businesses to invest in. And so one of the reasons for us launching this podcast is to connect the region's business community for us to learn from one another, to be challenged and inspired. So thinking about how much things have changed, we've talked about climate change and we look at the technology, how much that's changed, the pandemic. If you were to invest in a business today, a new business what would you do? I would attempt to be sure that it was environmentally sensitive. That would be the first thing I would look at. And that's what we do today. I never thought about the environment when I first got in the business. But today, it's the first issue is, is this friendly to the environment? And we're in businesses that are not particularly friendly to the into and we're slowly transitioning because we got employees and we've got uh, uh, co- we've got commitments and leases but we are right now trying to trans and are slowly transitioning to where we can be as climate friendly as we possibly can I'm in the car business we've got 28 car dealerships and they all use gasoline is that good for the environment no but people need cars and use them. And, but this has got to be transitioned as rapidly as we can to batteries. And uh, But then you've got, you got to have stations. So with the infrastructure now is we have to have places where you can charge your cars or trucks or whatever you're driving if you need power. And uh, but So the infrastructure's got to be here. If you're going to go to here to Calgary, you've got to have a, a power station to get charged. So there's opportunity there, for sure. So there's big opportunity here. But the government, of course, has got involved in this uh, because you've got to have places you could, could drive 
and and get to renew your your power, and it can't be friendly, unfriendly to the environment. So there's some opportunity for the Patterson Group as well. Here's a, a question I want to maybe get your idea on and look in the crystal ball that you have, Jimmy, is um, what do you think Greater Vancouver will be like in five years from now? And how do you hope to be making a meaningful impact in this region over the next few years? Well, I'm not trying to make an impact on anything. Uh, We just want to support uh, what is best for the community. And uh, Vancouver is going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be huge changes in Vancouver coming, particularly when you see what's happening in Hong Kong and the rest of the world, for that matter. And Vancouver is a very attractive place to live. In the whole world, it's hard to beat Vancouver, in my opinion. And... uh, the people, the first people that really found out about that were a lot of people from Saskatchewan <laughs> and the, the Canadian prairies. When, they, when my dad came out here, there was 300,000 people lived in Vancouver. And, uh, and it's, of course, hugely changed. And, uh, and there's going to be a lot of people living on Vancouver Island and the Lower Mainland and the Okanagan as time goes by. And we need to prepare for that. And we need to do as much as the government needs to do as much as they can to get ready to have a significant improvement in improvement. It's not really the right word, but to where we can accommodate more, a lot more people because they're coming. Transportation, housing, infrastructure. Sounds All like a, of those things. Sounds like a call to action for business and government, Jimmy. Absolutely. Well, on that, we will leave it. Thank you so much for being our guest today on our very first podcast. And once again, thank you to our sponsor for Small Business Month, our new pillar partner, RBC, also where you got your first loan, Jimmy. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and, and for sharing what it's been like in your remarkable career. Really enjoyed the time. Thank you. Thank you.